You want Philly Philly? Welcome to Huddle Up. I'm your host, Matias Bueno. This is the podcast where prominent football figures take you through a playbook of how the game has helped them face challenges, overcome adversity, and be a better version of themselves. Philly special. Ready? Everybody, welcome back to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. This is the second episode, and today's guest is none other than former Langley Rams quarterback out of Blaine Washington High School, born in Vancouver, BC, in a family of athletes with a a brother in the CFL, longtime fullback, quarterback lessons, and a young coach on the rise to teach many QBs across both borders of of Canada and the United States, Jordan McCarty out of Blaine Washington, Vancouver, BC. Jordan, welcome to the second episode of Huddle Up. Man, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No worries. So we're going to go through a little bit of your background here. So you're born in Vancouver, BC originally, and, and then you moved to the United States in the ninth grade. Take us through what was the decision? What was the reason behind the decision to go to America, right? You, you've, you've been exposed in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but what made you think that the, the decision to go to Blaine would, would take you to the next step? Man, really, you know, I was pretty lucky. My parents, they really gave me the choice to go to Blaine or stay and continue to St. Thomas More Collegiate. And I had previously met friends in the States by playing AU basketball in the States, for, you know, because I, I love basketball. It's probably my favorite sport at the time. And so it was competitively better for me to play basketball down here. So I did that and ended up meeting friends. And then when that option came about to choose to go to high school here or there and which just kind of naturally, you know, growing up as a kid, you see the thing about Friday night lights and the, the big deal playing Friday nights. And, you know, I decided to go to school in the States and it was the best thing I ever did. So you talk about how you love basketball as your first original sport. Mm-hmm. How long did you play basketball, uh, AU basketball? And, and what was the initial experience like being exposed to playing athletics across the border? Man, so I played AU basketball up until eighth grade. That's the last year you could play. And the biggest difference was just the physicality level of it. Instead of, you know, playing in Canada, you might have teams playing zone and no press. It's as soon as you cross the line, a team is going to press you the whole game. And that was the biggest difference for sure is just the intensity and physicality of it. And it uh, helps you for other sports and can definitely, you know, carry over to other things you do. So basketball has always been great for me. Was basketball something that you shared with, with your siblings or was it something that you took on as more of a, uh, a soul, uh, a solo journey in terms of playing the sport or what was it about basketball that made you love it from the beginning? And what was the origin of that love? Man, the origin of the love definitely came from my dad. Um, you know, he played college basketball, you know, went to Bacon college in Oklahoma and he's all, he was a hooper. He never played football, but he later on got into coaching and ended up being pretty good at it for football. And, but that's where the love came from. And just my brother, we, we always played basketball. And I think he would probably say it's one of his favorite sports too. Like a lot of football players like basketball. I don't know what that connection is with it, but it's, it's something about it. And it's just a fun team game. So you're, you play basketball with your brother and, and then he eventually later, later on played football as well. So when was the transition from basketball to football for you and, and what, or was it always something that walked hand in hand with playing the sport? Um, I didn't start taking football seriously probably until about 11th grade is when I really started feeling I could play football pretty well. Um, I always, I wanted to play basketball. You know, I looked at options college-wise to play basketball, but ended up choosing football because I love it and I got hooked by it. But, you know, that's, that's just my path for that regarding that. And so football – you, you were playing down in the U.S., you played your first two years, and then grade 11, you started taking it seriously. When was the moment playing a Blaine that made you realize, and what was the feeling like saying, hey, you know, I, can, I could probably take this farther than basketball, or I can, I can really take this to the next level? And what, what were those moments, or was there one specific moment that was really an indicator of that? Um, I would definitely point to definitely 11th grade, um, my first time starting at the varsity level, our first three games went to triple overtime, all three of them, and we ended up losing 
all three of those games in a really close, you know, obviously overtime loss. But that ex- I never forget that experience of like having to play in an extended game, clutch situations, like must score, and I'll always carry that with me. And, and later on, uh, we were faced with a tough scenario later on in the season where we had a must-win game to get into the playoffs against a good team. And I'm not kidding. I think those three experiences really taught us how to close, you know, close out later games in the season that ended up being really tight in the score. So I, I always point to that moment for sure where I realized, even though it was a loss, like I thought, like, I can play. Like, I can do this. That was the moment for sure. So although you guys didn't win those games, it kind of reminds me of the ending of the Friday Night Lights movie where everyone expects the Cinderella story and the happy ending and happily ever after and, and they lose, mm-hmm. but it doesn't dampen their, their thought of football and, and you, you lost three overtime games in a row. And, and at the end of the day, an L is an L, but mm-hmm. it really taught you so much from what it sounds. And was that, would you say, one of the most powerful moments as a, as a young man when it came to playing sports and uh, in terms of a teaching moment? Like what, what, was was that fa- like, what was it about that failure that made you feel like it man, was, it, it was uh, a positive from it? It it hurt because those were games that we felt we should have won. And, you know, coming into our high school, we were a school that was really good in the 70s. Our lone state title team is from 1978. And, uh, you know, our head coach, we had a new head coach and we were freshmen and we were really proud. And even the guys three years ahead of us that were, we wanted to make the program really good. And, like, we grinded for it. And that was definitely the first moment where it was like, that really hurt. But it made us better in the end, I would say for sure. But to go through that in the moment, you don't think of it like, man, this is going to help. But you, so when you step back really and look at it, you realize what it taught you. So it was necessary, I think. And what, what did, how did you guys follow up the next season when you played your senior year at Blaine? Was it even better? Was the success yep. not as good? Or how, how did that turn out from the lessons you guys learned in that previous season? Man, it was, I would say it was uh, a lot better. So, our, you know, as juniors, we were a pretty young team, like a lot of starting juniors. And um, we ended up playing, hosting Ferndale, who was a 3A school, or 11th graders. And they ended up waxing us. I think it was 63 to 7. And this is like Friday night, like everyone's there. And we get to the scheduling the summer of our junior year. And, our, you know, our coach Dodd, he asked us, like, we can kind of help we can kind of pick and choose a little bit of our schedule. And, you know, he asked us week three, if we want to go play Ferndale in Ferndale and the season was awesome. We ended up going seven and three. We ended up losing in the quarterfinals, which was definitely premature. If you could see our team, but it happens, but, um, you know, we ended up going to Ferndale and this is a school that hadn't lost a home game in probably about eight years. And they're, you know, they're a three, a school, we're a two, a school and we ended up beating them and, I think everything that junior year led up to that moment, just because a lot of teams wouldn't schedule them again, I don't think, if you just got beat by 50-plus the previous year. But so it does, like, I think you could see the character it taught us to, like, you know, let's go into the Lions then. They beat us at home. Let's go to their place. And, and then, yeah, man, it was amazing. Uh, but, you know, once again, all good things come to an end. But we had a heck of a team. We had 26 seniors on the team in our class, so we were – pretty heavy at the top but it was a heck of a season man take us through a bit of uh, the details of that game against Ferndale playing in the Lions den and and a bit of a a bold move you may say choosing to play a team that waxed you the year before and wanting to subject yourself to playing in their barn what did the course that game go like what was the feeling walking in the Um, the field you know our coach he we were his first four-year group and uh he had pretty high expectations for us as a group. And, you know, early on in the game, we can't lie to you, we went down 21-7 going into the half. And we got in there at halftime, and, man, he chewed us up. Like, never before, because he knew how good we were. Like, he's like, you guys are playing down to this level. Like, what, like, what is going on? And he chewed us up, like, at an all-time good level. And we went out there, and we played the second half, and we ended up winning, you know, 28 set, 28-21. And I don't think they gained more than 30 yards the rest of the game. And we were just assaulting them with passes over the middle, deep fades, outside runs, little things. And 
that it, that was just the way it went. And just for it to be that way, I think it was the best way. Instead of maybe blowing them out, it wasn't better than, you know, they were beating us and they had us on the edge there for a while. But, you know, we hung in there and we stuck it out and we really grinded it out, man. When we went to that game, we went to we went with 35 guys on the roster. They have about 60 over there. And think about it. We had 26 seniors on the team. So think about that. How many guys are playing both ways, playing special teams? We went into that game to win it, and that's that's what we went with. We went with our best 35. And that sounds like an unbelievable way to win, especially against a, a, a top, top-heavy, very heavily favored team 100%. at home in their own field, in their barn. And being able mm-hmm. to win in a way like that is just absolutely insane. So yeah, you you know you never forget it. It's the little things like even when we came out the field to first start the game for team intros, you could feel the ground shaking a little bit. Even the the game film on the camera the whole time is shaking and bouncing. It it was it was probably the loudest game I've ever played in. It was I think it was close to about forty five hundred people there, and it was it was unreal. It was I'll never forget that and. That was one of the best games I think we had as a group, like in that even that four year span. That was that was one we'll never forget, that's for sure. Incredible story. And what what was the what was the feeling like at the final whistle? Was it did, did they have the ball at the end or did you guys kneel it out or what was the ending like? What what was the emotions that overcame you guys? Man, they had the ball at the end and we ended up getting a stop on third and long. Actually one of my best friends named David Craig, all state safety, ended up making the tackle. Um, and we got the ball with a few seconds left, and we ended up kneeling it out. But I honestly, I think a lot of us were just mentally and physically exhausted from, like, it was fun to celebrate, but a lot of us were like, holy, like, this happened. Like, it was – but it was really exhausting. A lot of guys playing both ways. And, I mean, I'm fortunate I played quarterback, so I didn't. But a lot of our other guys played both ways the whole game. Like, Yeah, yeah it, was, it was cool. It was – you know, we had a lot of fans there, but it was – it was, I just, when I look back on it, it was physically and mentally exhausting to have that, that laser focus for that period of time when it's, you know, you only have a half to work with it. And it was uh, the real deal, man. So after graduation from Blaine, you went down to Ridley College just outside of Fresno yep. in California. Yep. What was it that sparked the decision to go there versus anywhere else? Was it? Did were there many other offers, or what was the experience yeah. like in terms of going to um, Ridley and why? So for me, the why I guess is start. I'll start from the beginning. Is uh, you know playing to maybe two way football in this northwest pocket. You don't get a lot of you know a lot of attention. I did have opportunities to go to um, southeastern Oklahoma to go to school there, and the only other recruiting opportunity I was getting was actually go to Simon Fraser to play basketball. And I was seriously looking at it. And when I, you know, ended up really narrowing down what I wanted to do and I chose to play football and, you know, I gave those coaches a call down there. They previously, they coached my brother a few years prior and I was like, I want to give this football thing a try. Like, you know, and they welcomed me with open arms and that's how I ended up going that route. So now you you'd progress to the next level and still yeah. within the United States. Was there an even bigger transition than you anticipated or what was that initial year like playing college in down in the U S especially yeah, after was, playing high school? It was a really, I, it was a really good experience for me. I was like, I ended up getting pretty banged up in fall camp and hurting my knee pretty good. So I didn't get activated until about week six of the season. And so that was my first experience of having to go through like, you learn to go get treatment, go to a training room, and your your schedule is different. You're not running out to the field to practice. Now you're in the training room trying to make sure you can even get out there and play. And so, man, it was an experience for me. It taught me a lot about, you know, you learn to take care of yourself. But it, um, it was an overall experience, man. I loved it. I met some friends for life there. It was a unique experience only being, you know, being the only Canadian, maybe, you know, Northwest kid on the team. Everyone else is from California and Atlanta and, Florida, you know, all over the Southeast. And it was an amazing experience, man. And I loved every minute of it, man. What was your favorite moment playing at Reedley College? What was it that, that, that was just the pinnacle of being there? Oh man, there's so many. Oh, I think honestly, it would just be 
being in junior college with the guys in the locker room, the bus rides, like it's, uh, I would tell you it's not for everyone. Like it's, it can be a grind and it's rough sometimes, but I think my, the pinnacle for me was just being with the guys and, you know, being with the team and doing all this stuff together and just sticking together, man. It was tough. And so after a few years at Reedley College, you lived out the last year before going travel, traveling back up north to Canada to play for the Langley Rams in 2014. What was your mindset in terms of entering the season, playing in Langley, playing Canadian football for the first time Man, ever? Year, like that must have been a, a big transition or not as much? Or what was that like? Um, I'd always you know, kept an eye on Canadian football. You know, I played it younger growing up, maybe not to that level of detail, but, you know, through my brother, I always – stayed involved with watching it what's going on and uh I'll be honest with you at first I didn't I didn't have any interest to play junior football at that point um uh you know the teams out in Edmonton were interested in me playing junior football just about every BCFC team was calling me at the point to try and play and uh you know at first I I told them all no even including the Rams I was like you know I I'm not sure I want to play football. I just had a, I had my daughter, I had a daughter that was just born and I was in another, uh, I guess, area of focus. And at first I told them, no, like, uh, I don't want to play football. And, you know, about a week and a half, two weeks goes by and, you know, Langley coach Jeff Hoda and uh, Eddie Ferg are reaching out and they're like, man, just come to a practice, come check it out. And they said, we, you know, we need a quarterback. We just get a quarterback. We have the pieces. And I ended up going out to the practice. And they asked me, like, you want to sign now? Like, I'm like, no, nah, like, I'm just watching right now. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not sold on anything. I'm just – and about another day went by, and I went out there and showed up to practice. And they signed me up on the spot, geared me up, threw me right in practice. And that's how I ended up playing for them. But at first, I had no interest in it. I was – uh content with just working and spending time with my daughter. So obviously again, the, the importance of focus on, 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 you know, raising a family and, and being there for a child, especially at mm. a young age is so important. So what was it that made you then tip over the edge and feel convinced to play for Langley considering there was such a, an important task on your hands in, mm. in your daughter? Man, I guess it was just an encouragement, you know, from my significant other, my girlfriend, you know, she, she always said you're really good at football you should just play it and uh the only reason I did it was I was in a comfortable spot of focus and honestly I found it easy to do like um I found you know it was a really big moment in my life doing that one year at the Rams playing but it you know really when you have kids I guess on the scale of things it minimizes it and it was really easy to focus on football I found like it was really easy to lock in on it and have fun and play so I almost remember that the, the 2014 season, I, I remember it seems like so long ago now, but it can also, also seem like yesterday. The, the, yeah. the battles that, that happened within the BCFC that year, especially considering that um, after the, the Raiders had kind of come back down to earth and the Rams had started to excel back up to the top. What was the feeling in the locker room with Coach Hoda and with all the guys that you had assembled? You had an unbelievable team with um uh williams english and oh don't tell, I, I can't believe i i'm so sorry i'm forgetting the returner's name what's unbelievable returner who is who, who was from jacksonville florida john beckerleg yes beckerleg yes 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 john beckerleg man that that's the last human being in the world i ever wanted to kick a football to i'll tell you that but you guys had an unbelievable team but it, it seemed at the beginning that maybe it wasn't meant to be, but what was it that changed or what was it, what was the leadership uh, or what was it about the leadership that changed to make you guys poised to, to go on a run, to, to mm -hmm. beat the sun, especially after almost losing a Kamloops at home the week before, what was the, the emotions surrounding that season, especially after all the things that you'd been through in your life up to that point? Yeah, I, th I think it was just the want to, cause the sun, it, they dragged us pretty good in the regular season. And it was like, you know, when you look at our roster, it was pretty alarming within the locker room. Like, we're lit, like, you know, they're a really good team, though. Like, I was, to me, that was one of the best teams I've ever played against, hands down. But they beat us pretty bad in the regular season. And then, um, you know, I think it was just the want to. Like, we wanted to beat the Sun. That's all we cared about. And, you know, we go through the season, you know, we played some other teams. And 
you know, we were focused, but our thought was to really, like, we want to play the sun. And then, like, you brought up the Kamloops game, which was, like, I, that was a real scare. Like, uh, if that team wouldn't have at least went to the Cullen Cup, I think it would have been really disappointing. Like, I was – I think we maybe underestimated them a little bit. and But, our, you know, I talked about that focus of maybe not looking past them, but we really – Okanagan stunned. That's all we cared about. And we we almost slipped up there, but, you know, we snuck it out and we got to the Cullen Cup and that was our opportunity to play him again. And so, obviously, for for those that may not have known, the, the Cullen Cup, the division title in BC Junior football, one of the uh, one of the most prized possessions recently in, in BC Junior football history for the for the sole fact that it almost at times seems like the last opportunity to have the euphoria of winning because of the looming dread of playing the, the monster Saskatoon Hilltops. Yeah. Um, so what was the feeling going into that game and what was it that made you guys execute to come out on top and, and be victorious against a team that was unbelievable that year? Okanagan, they were filled with amazing athletes yeah. as well. So what was it that made you guys win? Um, I would say, man, it started with the coaching staff. Coach Hoda, man, I, I would go to bat for that guy anytime. His, his confidence and self-belief and – just the rest of the staff in unison. I think it was easy to follow in there, and we were confident. We had a good game plan, what we wanted to do. We just had to execute it, and they beat us pretty good the previous times, but, like, at some point of it, a lot of us felt like we were beating ourselves in some points in the game. So it was, you know, I kind of referenced back to, you know, that second half of the Ferndale game. We were laser-focused for the whole game, and, that was it's kind of a similar thing excitement you win and but it was exhausting like it took we emptied the gas tank in Okanagan completely to beat them what was your favorite part of the game or more so what was the moment in which you knew that that victory was on the cusp that it was within reach uh I played a lot of football and you know my I've been lucky my dad's a coach and he's always been a defensive coach so I've always been you know, looking at defenses for a long time. And uh, we had, about, I think it was about a minute 20 left and we, we got the ball back because they were up a score. And they they were going to kick a field goal and they ended up getting a penalty and it backed them up five and it, it pushed them out of range. And we got the ball back with about a minute 20 left. And I'm not going to say that's the moment I knew we were going to win, but I felt comfortable, like, knowing that at least we have control over it. We felt like our defense was really good. But we wanted – I felt like we wanted our offense out there. Like, defense did their job. Now it's our turn. So, um, it was a unique feeling, I would say. But definitely the moment we got the ball, like, we knew it was one option. And we were, we converted two third downs that drive. And it was a heck of a time. And um, if I could point back to one play, I believe it was second and long. And we wanted to go vertical. Obviously, we have Daniel and Malcolm and – you know, an array of other receivers, and we put them both to the boundary, and we said, we'll see what they do. And um, I'll never forget this play because this is what got us down near the goal line. Um, our old line was on a pass protection going to the left side of the field, to the field, right? And I moved over to the right, and Daniel kind of ran their bender, and the safety paused for a second. And Malcolm's running vertical, man, and they're running steps for step, and I threw it. And that was one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. I threw that ball as far as I could throw it in that moment of time. And he do- he had to dive to catch that. And that play was one of the best plays I've ever seen from a receiver with a defender right on him. And that was probably the the moment I think they realized they were in trouble and then, you know, handed it off to our running back and he makes a play and gets in. And, you know, there's about 20 seconds left at that point. And it's – absolutely quiet in the stadium like obviously the Rams fans are loud but it was like for a moment there it was like you could hear a pin drop like it was like did that just happen like but that's how it worked out and obviously going back and remembering uh watching and hearing about what happened to that game and that throw to Malcolm just absolutely incredible and still to this day is is something that is not and should not be forgotten in terms of the history of the Langley Rams. Uh, such a quintessential moment during a special season where you'd been waxed by Okanagan twice yeah. in the regular season and and had the opportunity to play them again 
mm-hmm. their barn and beat them. And obviously they're still a tough team to beat hard yeah. to beat a team multiple times in the season, three times, especially, but they still have the advantage and, and mm-hmm. converting on, and it's the little things too, right? You talk about the great throw to Malcolm, but converting on third down twice yeah. on the same drive like that. Yeah. And that was, you know, Daniel getting to the sticks and making a play. Like we ran a lot of option routes with those guys. Cause it was, try and cover them they'll make a choice they're smart so Daniel was getting to the sticks man and I was locked in like I'm sitting on this route like this is where I'm going the ball and they and it's you know he's good enough where they can't stop it so but that was you know converting two third downs everything that happened it was an emotional roller coaster of like you just never forget it I think people were just just happy the game was over like it was like whoa that just happened and so uh, a, a crazy season, and obviously the uh, un, well, unfortunate ending in, in the in the national championship against the Hilltops. Yeah. Tough team. That was when they started their restarted their stretch of of winning multiple titles in a row. Haven't still lost a national title to this day since mm-hmm. they've uh, won in that one. But what was the was the feeling at the end bittersweet from not having won the final game, or what was the consensus around the team after having lost the Hilltops and Langley in the final game? Yeah, man. You know, I think. Uh... Any game you play, you want to win, and we wanted to win that game. And I, you know, you'll never make excuses, man. That's and even that Okanagan team was one of the best teams I've ever played. That Hilltops team we played was legit. They were really good, and you know, I think I said we, you know, we emptied the gas tank in Okanagan, and you know, we're missing a few key pieces. You know, CFL player Dylan Roper, you know, a few things, and we emptied the gas tank all the way in Okanagan, and. I think our sole focus was, I mean, obviously you want to win a national championship, but we were so locked in on beat Okanagan and we did that. I'm not saying we got complacent after, but it was like, it definitely sucked losing the national. Cause yeah, I mean, you want to win that, but there was also a feeling of like, you know, we kind of, we did what we partly wanted to do, which is better than nothing, I guess. So, but yeah, it was definitely a tough game to lose. Cause who doesn't want to win that? Right. Like, so, and, and then the next year you, you went on to, or we're, we're going to go up to University of Alberta and, and suffer an unfortunate injury that, that kept you out of your last year. And so, so then what decision did you feel was left for yourself? Because now you, you had a, a young family and you just played your last year and, and, mm. and we're not physically able to perform to, to play university. So what yeah. was your, you were at a crossroads. What was your mind thinking in terms of where football was going to take you or if that was it? Man, honestly, I wasn't too worried about it. I was, I figured it would work out one way or another it was supposed to. And I was always pretty comfortable knowing I'll be involved with football. Hopefully, you know, one way or another is, you know, when I'm ready to do that. And, you know, I, I think at that point, I was just, you know, ready to work and, you know, kind of do something that maybe a little bit normal. I've been doing football for a long time. And it was nice to, you know, work and, do some different things and take a little time, but also help some quarterbacks on the side and jump into high school football. So, And so you talk a little bit about jumping with high school football and, and uh, went down or had the opportunity to work with a, with a kid who was playing down in Blaine. And, and how did you have that connection or what was it that, that, that Man, made he ended you feel up inclined? On Instagram, uh, he had known, you know, I'd worked with, uh, helped a quarterback in the past at Blaine, come up when he was a little bit younger, showed him some stuff. And, you know, it was just, it was natural. He reached out and, you know, I showed him I'll come up and show him some things. I put him through a workout. And next thing you know, he's like, I'm going to go tell my head coach who I played for as a younger, you know, teenager. He's like, man, I want him to hire you to coach because it's like, what do you do? This stuff is crazy. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I'm not thinking anything of it. And then next thing you know, coach is calling like, Hey, Jalen's come down here. He wants you to coach. <coughs> Whatever you've done with him has been absolutely unreal. And that's how it started. But initially at first I was, I was pretty good on like not being too involved with football. And, but that's how I started getting into coaching. So now you've jumped into coaching football. So you talk a lot about the influence of your dad coaching defense when you guys were, when you and your brother were growing up, what was the kind of influence or impact that your father had on coaching that you take on now? And what is it about his impact that influences the way in which you coach or in which you were inspired to coach? Yeah, so my dad was in the military, so he's not a, 
I'm not going to say he's crazy strict or anything, but he just, you know, general teachings, discipline, respect, you know, listening to someone and just being that same way as a coach, I guess, doing the right thing and just being present in the moment. Just, uh, you know, like the influence it's had on me is he's always been so calm and like, I know you've seen coaches who are really high strung and that's okay. Some guys operate that way, but I guess the one thing I've taken from him is I've always been that pretty calm person. Like, you know, having played quarterback, I've never been that crazy, like rah, rah, like when some people can operate like that, but even I'm similar as a coach, I'm laid back. We can talk about it, fix it, you know? And I, for me, that works the best. And I found success working with quarterbacks that way. They respond to it. Well, they know I'm not going to, jump down you know and chew them out but if it's necessary it can happen but just do your job man and we'll be okay and that's definitely the influence he's had on me is just staying calm and being cool-headed man so your your, your father has, has had a profound impact on and you and your brother your brother having uh, been a, a cfl fullback for how many years now 14 this is 14 seasons Going on 14 yeah yeah that's breeding tremendous athletes is, is a, is a fantastic feat, nothing less. And so I'm talking about that discipline, that respect that he instilled in you guys. So now when you go forth into the world, what is it that you take from your experience playing football into how you coach it as well? So you have the influence of your father, but what from your experience as a player has influenced you in trying to be the best coach you can be? I mean, I guess the biggest thing for me is just understanding what it's like to be in certain scenarios and, you know, maybe not the outcome of said scenario, but having been in a similar spot. So I'd say just that understanding of, you know, I'm not going to be hard on a guy or I've been in that shoes as a quarterback and that, you know, I've stared down the blitz and made a throw. I'm not telling you to stand in there when I haven't done it or, you know, and it's just something that comes with the game, obviously playing quarterback, but that's what I would say is just, you know, that, that understanding as far as that aspect goes of sometimes you just got to do stuff that's not that fun, but it's for the best of the team and you just got to do it, man. How would you define what success means to you in the world of football as a coach or as a player? And, and how has that definition changed over the years or what is it about your definition of it that drives you each and every day in the sport? Um, I guess as far as success in the sport, I mean, obviously, small picture, maybe big picture for some winning, but I think it's just developing people like there's good scenarios in football that, you know, it might be not within a game later on in life, but if something pops up where it's adversity, successes, there's just so many things that football and think quarterbacks can do that it just pops up and you've been in this scenario before and I don't know if my definition of success has changed. It's just, I don't know, being a good person, helping people be good people, and hopefully they stay good people. Yeah. And so with with the experiences that you now have, have gone into, you just coached at Simon Fraser, uh, coaching at a pretty high level of football. Coaching at Simon Fraser is nothing to scoff at, absolutely, considering it's it now is is, is a part of the American college division as well. Yeah. So what was the best thing about your experience at Simon Fraser? And what, what do you think was the biggest challenge you faced in being in a, in a new role full-time through a football season at a high, that, that one of the highest levels? Man, I'll tell you the, the most awesome thing I guess I loved about it would be that ability to really dive in and focus on the game on a level of you know, it's a, a big spectrum of time, I guess, that you have to dive into it. And um, I was really lucky to coach with some awesome coaches and Mike Regale, who's now head coach. And obviously, I learned a lot from Thomas Ford, who's now at the University of Washington. And man, I was so lucky just to be in that circle and sit in those meetings and be able to do that every day. And it's an experience I'll never forget. Um, a challenge would be, I think it's anything that would come with the job is really is like you're you better love football. Like it's, it's a lot of hours, but if you love football, it's doable. And, um, you know, you spend a lot of time in the office, but it's, to me, it's kind of similar as being the player in the locker room. Instead of being with the players all the time, you're with these other coaches and it's, you have that camaraderie and it's, it's pretty cool how it works. And, you know, it's everyone has their job. So I'm
So let me ask you this then. Do you like coaching more or playing more? And obviously they're both, they're, they're different dynamics for sure. But what experience do you think is more rewarding for yourself in, in this present moment in time or has been? Man, playing and winning is really fun. I think it's harder or it's been harder to coach and win. So it's, I think it's a different kind of challenge because, you know, when you're the player, like you're kind of in control of yourself. But some coaches, you can be a really good player, become a coach, but you can't project the player you were onto new players. It's You have to figure out how to get through the players differently, I guess. So it's, uh, what do I like more? Man, love playing, love coaching. Oh, I don't know. I would probably pick playing, I guess, if I had to. I love them both, though. Like it's, they're both awesome, but there's not – I mean, being the player is a moment in time you don't get forever, but neither is coaching, but you, you get where I'm going. You can coach for a good while if there's something you want to do or pursue. So I'm going to go playing. So in terms of how you've been influenced as well, you talk about the family influence, were there any – NFL or CFL players that you looked up to or any football players for that matter that you look up, looked up to when you were growing up, when you started playing and who inspired you to be, to be better, to be, to play a certain style or what, what professional impact or which professional player had a big impact on, on your experience of football? Man, as a kid growing up, I was always a Peyton Manning fan. And um, I guess it's just the way he did things and, you know, I, I think if you look at his career, obviously he's done some great things, but there was a while there where he was putting up a lot of good numbers and not winning. So he had this, you know, this label about him that he couldn't win big games. But I was like, I'd probably say Peyton Manning for sure is my biggest influence as a kid is like, he was awesome, man. And just the way he was able to control and, you know, that uh, mysteria of thinking like he's really calling all the plays as a kid and like, it's, it was awesome as a kid. And I would definitely say Peyton Manning for sure. He's been probably my biggest influence for sure. And has that changed as you've gotten more now into coaching that you have a, a certain coach you looked up, look up to or a certain coaching style that you try to emulate? Man, there's a lot of coach. There's a lot of awesome coaches out there. I think it's tough to emulate. I think any one of their styles, cause it's sometimes it comes down to who they are as a person really. And not so much what they do X's and O's wise, but, um, Man, if I had to pick a coach, I like to follow. I mean, I'm a diehard Florida Gators fan. So I've always enjoyed following Dan Mullen. And now that he's back, it's pretty awesome. So I like, as a coach, I really like following what he does and, you know, just how he does things and the media they put out and access they give is, is pretty awesome. I think he's the real deal. And what is it about the Florida Gators that makes you such a big fan of theirs and a diehard fan, considering that you're not from the Southeast coast or haven't lived in Florida? Yeah, man, I'm not sure. You know, it's obviously growing up in Vancouver and Northwest Washington, it, you know, it is like a, like, how are you Florida Gators fan? And on, honestly is, I think it started from the colors of just the blue and orange. I liked it. And then a few players came along and ended up liking primarily my favorite player, Tim Tebow which is an interesting topic I get a lot because how do you coach quarterbacks and that's your favorite players? Like, and I can go into that for days and explain it, but yeah, man, it's, you know, our Florida Gators are my team for life. I love the colors. I love the stadium, the way they do things. I like, that's my team, man. That's what it is. I know that there's been a lot of talk over social media and the internet about uh, specifically about how that, that Florida Gators team that Tim Tebow led kind of goes a little swept under the rug in terms of a big spotlight, like a documentary or like a last dance. Yeah. What message do you receive from what that team is able to achieve, which with the insane diversity of players from different backgrounds and different attitudes and what is it about Tim Tebow? I mean, obviously you can go on for days. We can have multiple episodes, but what is it about Tim Tebow's leadership skills that you that you believe is the reason why he was able to bring them all together, considering they had like Cam Newton was on that team. And then some, some people don't know that that's not as much of a popular yeah. thing. They had players with attitude issues or uh, racist views as well. Like how did, mm-hmm. how did, you know, some religious kid bring all these guys together and so, for South Florida or for North Florida football and be able to, mm-hmm. to be, be successful. Man, like, 
I mean, obviously, I think that goes to the power of football. If you want to start with the basis of it, of bringing people together from different backgrounds. Like, there's a lot of people that love football. And I think it's like when you have something in common, like you want to win or, you know, even if something simple as compete and you're with the other guys in their mindset, I think it's maybe it's easy to rally and go play and do that type of stuff. Um, as far as what do I like about his leadership and how he was able to do it, I think I, what I liked about him is he just, to me, he was different than a lot of other quarterbacks. It's like I've met, I've met rah-rah quarterbacks. I've met quiet quarterbacks and in between, but there's something about him that can grab a locker room and hold it, and his you're not going to lose that focus. Um, I think his will to win was something that you can't measure. Um, and obviously that was a really great team. If you look at the, you know, the years they were there and the coaching staff was obviously really good and it was just the right storm. And as far as how he did it, I'm not sure, man, but they made it work for them. And I do hope we get to see some more insight into that team one day. Cause like you said, there is some interesting characters in that group that were some really good football players. So the, I like the the point you mentioned about football bringing people together from from many different backgrounds, especially the U.S., a country as diverse as Canada's, even more so you could argue in terms of its size, its population, and the many different groups of people that come from all over the world. Mm -hmm. In your experience with football, what has it been about that factor of bringing people together that you've that you've, uh, you've really seen overcome a lot of boundaries and barriers that exist in place. Obviously, there's been, since the tragic murder of George Floyd in the last week, and in light of the recent events in Minnesota, there's been a lot of talks of, especially with us having not having sports or anything, any social outlets, what is it about yeah. the game of football that maybe you look forward to coming back to help bring more people together and overcome these barriers? Man, I mean, like, obviously, if you're a player or coach, it's, you know, it takes everyone to work together. But even from the fan aspect of, you know, we could be look different, talk different, be a fan of the same team. And even in that small moment of time could be a positive moment of like, hey, we're cheering for our same team and you look different than me. Like, and I think, you know, football, uh, I know you've seen the thing where people saying, you know, people should see what a football locker room is like. And you might, it, when you had, like I said, if you have a common goal and, I think it's easy to come together. Now it's probably harder to say for a larger amount of people, but so I get the locker room aspect, but I just think it's a game that draws people in and it's a time where maybe for that three hour window, you do turn your switch off or, you know, relax and just enjoy the moment in time, man. In your experience with playing football, were there ever moments or um, instances you had where you felt that there was, uh, significant racial barriers that were, were in effect against maybe some of your teammates or off the field or, or against yourself or other people that, that you knew, or what was your experience like with, with, um, with, with that divide that we, we've mm -hmm. seen so much in the news over the last week? Oh man, it's, it's a, a unique situation, but even as far as me, I could tell you, I've been pretty lucky, man. Like I haven't experienced anything ill in regards to that in sport and, you know, I like to believe sometimes it's around, you know, you like the people you're around and I've been around good people for most of the time. And, uh, you know, maybe not everyone is as lucky, but I haven't experienced any situation like that myself as far, but it's, you know, it's a unique time, me, myself being biracial. Like sometimes it is hard to see the stuff said, like I am both, you know, I am Caucasian, I am African-American and it's a unique time to be alive, especially in the United States. But, you know, I think, if people want to do the right thing, like I said, if you have a common goal and want to do the right thing, then we'll do the right thing. I know that uh, there's been a, a post floating on, around on social media, specifically in circles of people that have been playing football, of the, of the reminisce of Remember the Titans mm -hmm. and about the, the central theme of that movie. And, and can you speak a little bit about, about what is it about the, the message of that movie that really relays what we talk about in terms of bringing people together. And, and when you focus on a goal, like what Tim Tebow was able to do and hold a locker room, especially with I such think, a diverse group of people. I think even with like, you know, the way you've seen that movie, obviously I probably wouldn't have watched that movie if my brother wasn't a big fan of it, obviously in the early two thousands. And, um, but I think it just shows that like, 
you know, you can be different and have that opinion. And then maybe you do get to know someone eventually and it changes for the positive. And I, you know, obviously it's an awesome movie with some, you know, some uh, true historical events in it. And, you know, it's obviously a really good movie that stuck around for years. And I think the message is pretty straightforward and it's amazing to see how that movie from early 2000s is still being referenced today is like, you know, people can do this, man. We can be good people, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I know that it's, football is a game that has such a profound impact on people's lives. And I've made the argument before, and I think many people would agree that football is the greatest team game because it literally requires the best out of every single person on the field at all times, no matter what. It's, it, it's a, a sport that you will never find success with, with the one-man show or one-woman show for any reason. And so um, that, that teamwork really breeds discipline, and especially from the experience you've talked about with your dad and your brother, that it's really shown. And, and how do you translate those elements into the aspects of your life outside of football, within your family or within how you raise your children or within how you conduct yourself when you're, when you're not in that setting, when you're not a coach or when you're not seen as a former player? Man, I think you just get so used to it. You know, as you as a player, I'm sure you've heard the thing is do the right thing even when no one's looking. And I know it's maybe it's not easy to do that all the time. For some people, I get that. But, you know, it's I think it's sometimes it's ingrained in you. Some things you keep, some things you throw off to the side. But that's been one of the things I've always kept with me, man. You, you do the right thing as a teammate. You do the right thing as a leader. You do the right thing as a player. And I'm not, I just, you know, you just continue to do the right thing as little small things here and there, and they all add up. And, you know, it's just easy to follow at that point, I find, man. And those are all things from I'm not sure I would have if I didn't play football. Like, I, I can't answer that, really. And, and you, you talk about before you play basketball now, and uh, and obviously that's – it's a team game as well. It's not an individual sport, but I guess the, the different dynamic of the team aspects could have maybe had a – a different effect maybe do you think on on your um on your views on leadership etc because i know that you're, you're a big lebron james guy and he's obviously yeah. great competitor great leader yeah. but, but again a lot of people point to that like you're so good that you can just do it all by yourself do you think that yeah. if you play um, basketball yeah, longer than football you know, is definitely a sport that it can be dominated by one guy it obviously helps to have some pieces around you but i don't know if Man, even if I didn't, if I never played football, I, I'm sure I would still have been around it just from my brother and my dad. So I don't know how much my leadership would change as far as that aspect. But, you know, it's, I guess it goes back to the basis of who I am, calm, cool and collected and just like, man, we're in this together. Let's have some fun and play and man, let's enjoy it. Right. So you, you talk about that, that dynamic you had in terms of the be still being around football because of your brother and him having played in the CFL and, and played football. Can you, can you speak a little bit about what, what it is about that dynamic of brotherhood that you have with Calvin that, that has been such a positive influence as well on, on you guys playing, playing sports growing up? Man, I think like, it's, you know, it can be different for people, but I, you know, I truly think sometimes siblings can be like your number one fan, man. And uh, you know, you can be honest with them and even, you know, I'm five years old sitting out in the snow watching Calvin practice football when he's young. And, you know, the little things like that is we've always had that connection, whether it's even when we lived in Canada, we're, we're in our townhouse playing hall ball. You know, one he's waiting in the end zone. I'm trying to dive over, go up over the top. So he, he had a huge impact on me as far as, like, that love for football and the funness from it. Like, it was so much fun to have an older brother that played football and, like, really shared those things with me. and. Man, we had some fun times. In terms of what, like, so now you get to see your brother continue his career, and mm-hmm. and uh, what do you think, or what would you say is, has been the most special moment between you guys as brothers in the scope of of his playing career? Uh, considering you guys, you guys both played football. He's obviously still playing, and and you finished it a few mm-hmm. years ago. But what what is the most special moment between you guys in terms of the game of football? And can you speak to what that means to you? in the, in the grand scheme of, of your lifetime? Man, uh, whew, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I guess just being around them and getting to see all that stuff. But as far as like, I guess my favorite moment, I guess I have two, 
when I think of him, obviously, I'm glad he's won a great cup, at least one with the team. You know, and and honestly, the one of the most things I'm proud of him is when he played, when he made it to 200 games played in the CFL, and we got we actually made a video with a bunch of family and friends, and it was a big mashup of all of us congratulating him on the feet, and that was one of like getting to send that video and you know have a little part in that was probably one of my favorite moments. Um, and just seeing him, even when they won the Grey Cup, like you know, acting like a little kid on the field, picking up the like it's it's crazy what winning does at the highest levels, man. It's it's like being a kid again, right? And, but that was for me. That was uh, him playing the two hundred game and winning the Grey Cup was that was my favorite, man. And and actually, that Grey Cup was hosted here in Winnipeg in twenty fifteen. I remember uh, mm-hmm. wanting Edmonton to win that game because there there are some people I know on that team, and and from having seen. The, the later translated success after we, when we got to know each other it was it was really it was really great to see that and and the longevity of of, of him has, has definitely been I'm sure a very proud point for yourself yeah, real, man like he's like the Terminator how does he keep doing it I don't know but yeah man it's you know I guess it's that dedication to it though he loves it so it's easy for him to do and so now with, with what's on the horizon for yourself next, what do you see as some of the next steps or, or what are the, some of the next steps you want to take in terms of your career with coaching football or, or just how football will impact your life in general with the next venture that you have? Um, you know, I'm just wrapping up some school stuff, uh, you know, staying involved with it. I'll probably help, you know, dive into some quarterback work here and there, help out some quarterbacks whether they're, you know, youth, high school, going into college, staying in college, whatever. And, you know, I'll jump into that and take a little time off, enjoy the time off and spend it with family, obviously. You know, it's been a unique time in the United States. So until we really, uh, you know, open things back up and get kicking and allow to do a lot of stuff, it will be a lot of planning going on and just getting ready to go for when we're allowed to do stuff. So what has been the most important thing for you to focus on during quarantine to to put yourself in the best position to succeed once everything reopens in the U.S., especially there in, in the state of Washington? Man, I would just say, you know, if anything involves football, keeping the acquired information, keep learning new things, uh, look at different, uh, you know, concepts, schemes, different things. Uh, just expose yourself to ways you can learn, even like staying in shape physically, like little things like that, just – that's everything I've been doing, spending time, a lot of time with my girls, which is, you know, obviously coach. Stuff and just staying involved with football. Hold on. yeah man just you know staying in shape physically staying up to date with new concepts coming out any little wrinkles and just staying in tune with the fundamentals of football there's a lot of information out there you can access or find and football is a fun game to dive into when you really have the time and that's just what i've been using it to do man what what is the the primary way that you you expose yourself to different schemes, concepts, and information in terms of developing your football IQ as a coach. Man, even nowadays, Twitter is a big tool. Like, there's just so many coaches out there that, you know, they'll put this this information out there on Twitter. They'll put it out on YouTube, whether it's clinics, stuff like that. And I got to tell kids all the time, like, a lot of information is there if you just search for it. Like, and it's, uh, I mean, football has been around a long time, and, you can look at a lot of stuff if you really dive into it. And, you know, that's just the way I operate. And, you know, just use the natural tools available, YouTube, Twitter, you know, Instagram. There's a bunch of different stuff going on. We've just hit the three-minute warning for how much time we have left in our episode. So we're going to have – it's going to be like a rapid-fire round. Three minutes warning just for Canadian football. So Yes. (laughs) All right. So first question, favorite football game you've ever watched? At the at at the at the highest at a high level, it can be NCAA, it can be NFL, it can be CFL. Favorite game you've ever watched? Two thousand nine Florida Gators versus Oklahoma Sooners. 
Was that the was that BCS or was that uh Yep, the BCS championship. Wait, is that 2008? That might be 2008. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Two, I think it was 2008. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. That that was, yeah that was a that was an insane game. That's that mm-hmm. Florida Gators team like that. There needs to be some big documentary made. Like, uh, I hope so, man. Oh, we need it. They made one versus for Catholics versus convicts. They need to make one for for 2008 Florida Gators. They got to man. There's too much interesting stories on that team. Crazy uh, craziest play that you've ever witnessed in a game that you were not playing in. Oh man, it was so. This was actually. My brother had transferred from junior college to Western Washington University. And I think they were playing Humboldt. And the craziest play I've ever seen, we've been trying to find video for years. I promise it happened. Uh, He was in the backfield and he ended up running a little running back wheel into the boundary. And the quarterback threw it behind him and the defender was right on him. And, you know, my brother jumps in the air and he tips the ball over the defender and catches it one-handed on the other side of him. And um, to this day, I pro- that's the craziest play I've ever seen, 100%. Like, people were just shook. Like, it was like, how did that happen? Like, and we're trying to find film of it. We know it exists, but I, you have to see this play if we ever find it. I promise you. That's the craziest play I've ever seen. That's just, like, you know, running backs got hands, and especially when, when you got great hands like that, it just, it just mm-hmm. shocks opponents so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those plays where it's you don't see a lot, and yeah, obviously my brother's some pretty good catches over his career, but I, that was probably the best one I've ever seen. Favorite NFL team? Man, favorite NFL team, the Las Vegas Raiders. I've been waiting for years for them to move. I didn't want to hop on the Oakland bandwagon, but finally that they've moved. That's my favorite team for sure, man. You know, I've, I've always had a lot of, you know, individual players I like, so I've never really latched onto a team, so I've been waiting, and I'm excited. What is it about Las Vegas that makes you so enamored by, by them moving there? Man, I mean, honestly, the first thing for me was, like, how easy it is to travel there, so it'll be cool to go to games, and, I mean, it's just Las Vegas. It's right there. Or, you know, I don't have to go watch the game in the stadium if I don't want to. I can go watch it somewhere on the strip, I'm sure, but, it, you know, it's – I think it's just easy to get to. It's a cool city, and it's. I think it's going to be awesome, man. Craziest college football play that you've ever witnessed at the NCAA, at the highest level, NCAA Ooh. Tier 1, Division 1. The craziest play I've ever witnessed will be, I'm going to stick with the hook and ladder by Boise State to score the touchdown versus Oklahoma before they ran the Statue of Liberty. I'm going to go with the hook and ladder because that type of play requires a lot of stuff to go right, and it went very right. I'm going to stick with that one for sure. Craziest play. That play was – I remember watching that as a kid in 2007. It was just on Sports Center, and it, all the replays was nuts. I couldn't even believe what There's I saw. No way. This is not happening. And But you could see the play developing of this guy crossing the field. Like, why is he still running across the field? And the moment he got that ball, it was like, he's really going to do this. And uh, to me, that's one of the craziest plays, man, I've ever seen for sure. It's not close. <laughs> if you – if there was one game that – you could have been at to witness in football history, any professional or college game that you would have been there to witness, maybe besides the BCS Bowl in 2009, which one would it be to have been there live to watch it happen? I'm going to go with the New England Patriots versus Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl. I'm going to go with that one. To see it, obviously, on TV was crazy. I think to experience maybe the emotions within the stadium it would have been even more wild just to see like the shift in the ride and emotions. And I, that's the game for me. I would want to go to. Uh, of course, you know, Patriots fans, greatest moment ever 
everyone else in the NFL, worst moment ever. But at the, at, at the end of the day, as an objective football fan, you can't deny the fact that that swing of emotion and momentum is the craziest that has ever existed in NFL history, especially at the magazine. Yeah, I was the – in my opinion, that was the game that stamped Tom Brady as one of the better quarterbacks to ever play, 100%. Tom Brady cemented a legacy with that game, no doubt. And uh, and now with his move to Tampa Bay, who knows what will be in store considering the Patriots host the Buccaneers, not this season but next. That'll be a sellout for the ages. We'll see what he brings to the table, man. This should be good. Well, Jordan, I want to thank you so much for your time here on, on the second episode of Huddle Up. And is there any last words that you want to, you want to mention to all the listeners out there and, or any words of advice? Man, I just I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I look forward to continue watching you grow this thing, man. I appreciate that very much. And Jordan, thank you again so much for your time. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the second episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno, Jordan Riccardi, quarterback, coach, player, Tremendous man. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, man. Here we go, here we go. Tonight! Easy, easy! And the kill, kill! Lane, Lane! Goes to the right, it goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. Big Foles! It's a touchdown by Big Foles! Let's go! Let's go! Woo! Everything today! Let's go, B.J. Catch him and throw him! Let's go! Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Huddle Up. Make sure to follow us on our social media pages at Huddle Up Podcast on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Make sure to check out our page on Anchor FM for all previous episodes and all future episodes. 